You are listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more content and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Today he has written a little devotional that I'm going to read to you. Um, it's, it's kind of the darkness. And I just uh, trust that as we read this that you will, that you will play, play, pay close attention to them and that you will grow in your Christian walk by them. As you see the, the Advent candle here, we see the light and, and we know how Jesus came to to be that light, to give us light, and how, how the light is so much more powerful than the darkness. Anytime you have darkness, of course, much from it as I read it. <clears throat> the light, it's 4 a.m. on Saturday morning, and I'm wide awake and alone. Yesterday, I was cut off and sick, chills and coughs, the upset stomach, but there were also the perks, the extra attention from mom and dad, staying at home on a school day and maybe watching a and also uh, that <clears throat> drinking some ginger ale, and I guess for us it was 7-Up. <laughs> um, and then uh, for some strange reason, all of that chicken and biscuit crackers that I could eat. It's different away from family, away from church, with little but my own sick body and scattered company. One thing is absolutely clear. The darkness is very real. And at times it seems overwhelming. It's from God, which defies all logic and reason and evidence to the contrary. The light shines in the darkness. Darkness has not overcome it. Darkness takes many different forms in our world today. We say we live in a divided, in divided times to say that we live in divided times is a massive understatement. Polarized is a more accurate term. No longer do we just disagree with one another. That has been true throughout all of human history. But now we demonize and vilify those who think differently from us. We've lost the capacity to empathize with those we disagree with. It's much easier to dismiss them than to do the painful work of slipping into their shoes even if, it only, even if it's only for a moment. Dignified discourse has given way to outrage. If you're anything like me, you find yourself peppering your sentences more extreme language, like, I'll never be able to understand why they do what they do. Or, I don't get how any ever think that way. Or, I can't even begin to fathom where these people are coming from. In extreme cases, those fools. Why can't they see? But Jesus had a stern warning about this. In Matthew 5:22, he says, "But I tell you that anyone who is angry with brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, "Raka," is answerable to the court." Now I looked up this word "raka." I had read it many times before and didn't really know for sure what it meant, but it seems to be derived from an Aramaic word, which means empty head. 
And so uh, as we would use something similar to that nowadays, we would probably use the word pea brain. Um, but this is, uh, it's, it's interesting how God designed us to not. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Are serious because it reveals the darkness within us. It reveals not just how angry we are, but the murderous intent of our sin hardened hearts. It's possible to be angry at someone and still see them as one for whom Christ died. It turns out then that the darkness is closer to home than we thought. And yet God's promise stands the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. For others of us, the darkness takes a different form. Some of you have heavy hearts. Maybe you are grieving the recent loss of a loved one. We remember the family of Nadine and Ina Larson as they mourned the death of Wayne, who was a strong pillar here at Elam for many years. Losing a loved one can feel a a limb. A part of you seems gone, which can never be replaced. King David knew this well as he wrote in Psalm 6.6, I am from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping, couch with tears. Or maybe your grieving is preemptive. Perhaps you received bad news about a loved one's health, and your world has just been turned upside down. If that is you today, you need to understand this. Jesus knows your pain, he knows your suffering, and the hurt that you're feeling right now is no sign that God has abandoned you. After all, he is the one who bore all your sins and sorrows at the cross. As Isaiah says, he was a man intimately acquainted with grief. In fact, in the Beatitudes, which we've just studied the last three weeks, he goes so far as to call those who mourn blessed or happy, for they shall be comforted. And as the psalmist tells us in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He had harsh words for the proud. But to the grieving and downtrodden, he spoke only compassion and comfort. So if you find yourself at the end of your rope, overwhelmed by sickness or grief of one kind or another, please believe that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to rescue you and to dispel the darkness from this weary, sin-sick world. And he will put everything right. To expand upon the words of the Apostle John, it will be a world without crutches, without chemotherapy, morphine, bedpans, arthritis. Praise God, no more COVID-19. For the old order of things has passed away because God's promise is bigger and stronger. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness not overcome it. Perhaps the darkness you face is an entirely different kind of monster, though. Maybe it's fear of the unknown or worry about how and when God, <clears throat> worrying how and when God is going to provide. Maybe it's a relationship that's on the rocks, where the gap seems just too big to be bridged. Maybe it's a nagging voice at the back of your head, reminding you that you are not good enough, that you're not being all you should be and doing all you should do. Maybe you're battling feelings of guilt over past sins that won't stop haunting you. You're not meeting everyone's expectations, or maybe the darkness of temptation 
is what you're facing. Fighting against the desires to do something you know you shouldn't. Fighting against something that you know you shouldn't do, that you want to do. Perhaps these are even the same desires that have waged war within you over the course of your lifetime. Or maybe the darkness you're facing is just that, darkness. A safe place to hide where the truth will be exposed. Darkness has many different shapes, shades, and forms. But there is one thing universally true about darkness. It can only be chased away by light. The beautiful thing about light is that it has the ability to cast out darkness, while darkness cannot cast out light. This is easily proven. Turn off all the lights in your house and then flip the switch on in the bedroom. What happens? The light spills from the bedroom into the hallway, overwhelming the darkness. But the reverse is not true. Turn all the lights on in your house and then flip the switch in the bedroom off. And what happens? The darkness from the bedroom does not penetrate the light in the hallway. Light can pierce darkness, but darkness cannot pierce the light. Whether it's a nighttime campfire, lantern in a winter storm, or the front porch light on your home, the imagery of light shining through the darkness is really powerful. And it's one we're all familiar with. Now here, Pastor Luke gives a, a, an example, a, a really good example. Uh, it's taken from the book or the movie, The Lord of the Rings. And there's some strange here. I practiced them, but I'm not sure I'm going to get them right. So you'll just have to bear with me on this, okay? This is just, just an example. In The Lord of the Rings, the main character, Frodo, and the rest of his companions have just survived the mines of Mori, where their good friend and leader, Gan Gandalf, to a, a battle with Balrog, from the ancient world. Weary and grieving, they enter the woods of Lothlorien, where the elven Galadriel provides them with shelter and protection while they recover. While there, she gives Frodo a gift. It's a special glass vial which emits a powerful light. She knows the dangers that lie ahead for Frodo and the enemies he will face. So she gives him the magical object with these instructions. In this vial is caught the light of a star. It will shine still brighter when, when night is around you. May it be a light to you when all other lights go out. And, true to her promise, the vial re effectively wards off many deadly attacks of the enemy. This is precisely what light does. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. The word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which simply means coming or arrival. It's a season of waiting, waiting for Christmas when we celebrate Christ's first coming, yes, but also a season when we raise our eyes in expectation of his second coming. <clears throat> for Christians, Advent isn't just a four-week season in December. All of life is Advent, a season of watchful expectation while we wait for God to fulfill his promises. There is no shortage of darkness in our world. Wherever we look, both inward and outward, the forces of human nature Sin and Satan are hard at work, trying to snuff out all light. But God's candle is not so easily extinguished. His promise is not some vague light 
at the end of the tunnel that we may, may or may not reach. In fact, God's light has a name, Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and always. His brightness does not dim. His flame will not be snuffed out. And one day soon, he will burn away all of the darkness so that not even a memory of it will remain. There is a reason the first words God's, God speaks at the beginning of Genesis were, let there be light. In the creation narrative, God brings order out of chaos, form out of emptiness, and light out of the malevolent forces of darkness. But here's the thing about the, those words, let there be light. God is not done speaking them. He is still speaking them each and every day into your life and mine. Where there is only darkness, he is causing light to spring forth, bringing something good into existence. Let there be light, he says, as he forgives your sins. Let there be light, he says, as he brings you to the end of yourself so that he can raise you back to life again. Let there be light, he says, as he removes your guilt and shame and replaces them with confidence and freedom. Let there be light, he says, as he dies on the cross in your place and mine. Let there be light, he says, as he rolls the stone away from the empty tomb to reveal that death has been defeated forever. Let there be light, he says, as he casts out demons and raises the dead and shows himself Lord over every sickness and disease. Let there be light, he speaks, as he chases the night away with the dawn. Let there be light, he says, to each other and, and everyone of your hearts today. The light is always coming, and that is good news for you and for me. So whatever threatens you this morning, my hope and my prayer is that God would remove your anxiety and replace it with hope and anticipation. Because each passing day is one day closer to his promise being fulfilled. Until then, may the words of that promise carry us through this Advent season. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended it. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's Pastor KJ. O-L-H-A-U-G at gmail.com As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. <laughs>